double-digit Ks. We're busting ours. Kick yours. Fun to watch. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfect. Oh, mercy! Five, four, three, two, one. From inside our respective houses, it is, it is the Mass and All Access podcast brought to you by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about our student-athletes and programs today. Bobby Blanco here with you. Uh, I have Byron Kerr on the line waiting. Um, bear with me. This is my first time hosting uh, this show by myself while also producing, so I know how Paul felt uh, last week or the past couple weeks when he's been doing this on his own, uh, but it's good to see everyone Um Figured we'd shake it up a little bit. Uh, we've been doing our uh, Nationals postseason rewatch uh, recaps, I guess, over the past couple of weeks. But uh, we wanted to give maybe a new flavor into the, the podcast, the Mass and All Access podcast, and uh, have everyone kind of something new to talk about. We'll hopefully revisit the uh, playoff rebroadcast a little bit later uh, as throughout all this quarantine and the MLB shutdown, but... We um, wanted to give something, some fresh topics to talk about. There also is some news with the Bob Nightingale article coming out last night that I wanted to talk about. But first and foremost, I wanted to also introduce Byron Kerr. Byron, it's a District 34 reunion. You and I started this podcast, <laughs> um, wow, I guess three years ago or something, and it involved into the Mass and All Access podcast. How are you? It's good to see you. Uh, how have you been holding up? Good. Yeah, thank you, Bobby, for having me on. Um, going pretty well, as you can imagine, with uh, – the stir craziness of the coronavirus pandemic. The family is healthy. I'm I'm good. Being very very careful in social distancing, wearing my mask every time I go to to pick up the groceries and stuff. Um, trying to keep up with the Nationals and their prospects, and and uh, doing a lot of yard work, doing a lot of stuff outside, walking the dogs a lot more. So they're really appreciating this time. Uh, throwing the baseball with my son throwing a lacrosse ball and stick with uh, with my daughter, who was supposed to be playing JV lacrosse right now uh, uh, in high school. So, yeah, doing a lot of indoor activities, outdoor activities, trying to keep busy and stay healthy. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I talked to uh, – I also have an interview lined up with Alex Chapel later in the show. Caught up with her yesterday about the interviews that her and Mark Zuckerman did on her YouTube page with some of the Nats and some of their play, uh, their wives over the past couple of weeks. But she mentioned the same thing. She, her and her husband are just been going out, walking the dog, trying to get outside as much as possible. They went through uh, Georgetown a couple of days ago, I guess, and it was a complete ghost town, but also it's kind of nice because it's usually crowded with people. So it's kind of a best of both worlds, I suppose, but it's nice to hear you're getting outside a little bit, getting some baseball activities. If you're, if you're playing catch and um, yeah, you know, We've talked, we're going to touch on the draft a little bit, but it's that your daughter, that sounds like one of those players who their spring sports get canceled and they lose their whole season. Yeah, it was really interesting for her, and, and she's kind of a newbie to lacrosse at the high school. And uh, because she played field hockey on the varsity level, she's played field hockey for, for three years, so she was way ahead of the curve on that. And all of her buddies who were on the field hockey team were said, hey, why don't you try out for lacrosse? So she worked out with the team for, or with the, with the Green Days for like three or four weeks. And she got a spot on the JV team. And so she was really excited. She had one scrimmage uh, before the shutdown. And I got her to see her play there. And, and she's obviously bummed. But it's amazing, Bobby, to see how much she's improved in her stick work in lacrosse in, in a matter of a few weeks. And I know how much of a hotbed Maryland, Virginia, and D.C. is for lacrosse. So I'm really excited that she found something that she can do in the spring. And, and uh, 
the way it works is I use my baseball glove and a lacrosse ball and I throw it to her stick on the left and right side to help her practice ground balls and, and fly balls. And then I catch it with the baseball glove because I need some help with the lacrosse stick. I need to work on my lacrosse stick skills, but she certainly is already way ahead of me and she's only a freshman in high school. So my, my other son Brody is a, a little league player and obviously he's bumming that they're not playing right now, but uh, same thing. He likes to uh, be able to throw catch and, and hit, hit the baseball off the tee and stuff like that. So yeah, there is some, some baseball. We're, we're shooting a lot of basketball as well. We have a basketball hoop on our driveway. So my other son, Drew, is always asking to play 21 every single day. And uh, now he beats me at 21. So it's, uh, it gets, <laughs> he's, he's getting a lot of experience too. So yeah, it's fun. To, it's fun to get outside. When you walk the dogs, there's, there's social distancing because one of our dogs already has social anxiety. So we're already going to the <laughs> other side of the road with him. He's yeah. a little basset hound. Uh, sorry, uh, hound and uh, border collie mix, little black dog. So uh, uh, they're loving the fact that they're getting two or three walks a day instead of just one. So that that's good for them. Yeah, uh, with back to the cross discussion. I mean, I I stopped playing baseball, which I shouldn't have. I was much better at baseball than I ever was at lacrosse, even though I played in high school uh, in sixth right. grade and catching the ball. Throwing it was fine because I feel like you could get that motion down, but catching it, it was just, I could not just see it into the, the cradle at all, and it was my biggest issue. But, yeah, my dad used to do the same thing with me when I was picking up lacrosse. He would catch with his baseball mitt while I was throwing with my stick. That's how I learned how to throw and catch because he would just play catch with me with his baseball mitt. So that's pretty funny. Um, and also basketball, too. I'm actually at my parents' house um, with my girlfriend. We're kind of living in the basement to get away from the cities. Uh, she lives in Baltimore. I live in D.C. Right. Trying to get away from the crowds. And uh, we have the basketball hoop that I grew up with. And I haven't played too much 21. I don't think anyone has the, the energy like your son probably has to play 21, but we've been doing around the world a lot, you know, going ac across the, uh, the, uh, the half right. court. Um, that's been a lot of fun too. So that's a game that maybe you should challenge Brody too. So you can get, catch your breath a little bit. <laughs> so it's a little yeah, easier when you're just standing still. Um, <laughs> so anyways, uh, wanted to get you on the podcast. Obviously, you know, we had a great time doing the district 34 podcast those couple of years ago. Um, and, you know, during all of this, it's been a we Paul and I, Paul Mancano and I, kind of felt this get a little monotonous of just the two of us always talking. And on the national side, we've just been rewatching the playoff wins. I know Nationals fans can't get enough of those uh, playoff content and the World Series content from last last year, especially with the shutdown right now. But we wanted to get a fresh face, and we I love talking to you, Byron, getting your thoughts on on everything. Um, and so, just want to go through a couple of details with you, especially after sure. some news broke, not really broke, but some reports came out last night about a new plan that baseball is considering. Uh, Bob Nightingale of the USA Today reporting that they're considering a three-team, uh, three-division, excuse me, ten-team per division kind of restructuring of the league, um, playing about 100 games, hopefully starting in uh, late June, July 2nd at the latest, and then also having an expanded playoff just what are your initial thoughts on that reported proposal and is it logistically possible? Is it something that the players would go with? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, to me, it's the best possible proposal that they brought forth. I mean, I remember it starting out with Arizona as the place where everybody would play and the players would be in hotels every night and just play a full season in Arizona with no fans. And then there's a plan about the possibility of the Cactus League being one side and the Grapefruit League being the other side for all these teams. But I think this is the best of all the plans that I've heard so far. 
at least it will give a chance for the players to be able to stay home for a good amount of time in their home area. And their road trips will be geographically pleasing for everybody. And you look at the teams that it's the entire American League East. It's four of the five teams in the NL East, including Pittsburgh is the other one. And then uh, on the other side, it's all five, as I said, in the East. So a lot of these road trips for the Nationals would be not too long, especially if it's Baltimore or Philadelphia or even New York. That's not too far of a reach. You know, they can even take an Amtrak up there and they would they could, you know, a lot of times they get their own private cars anyway. So they they would they would be uh, social distancing in effect uh, that way. Obviously, it's tough for the fans, Bobby, to, to continue to think of baseball without the fans in the stadium. But uh if they can play games, as I'm hearing a lot, of, I got a lot of text messages yesterday when this article broke out. A lot of people are following the text and saying at least there would be baseball. All I want to see is the possibility of baseball. Ryan Zimmerman even talked about it last week on his conference call. He said he'd, he'd love to play. He know it would be tough on the fans, but that's where Masson would come through big time for the television broadcast. And I think here at MassonSports.com, we could certainly be a great avenue for fans who – just don't get enough just from watching the the, the the television version of the game. And if they can play 100 games starting in, in late June, I mean, to hear them say late June, Bobby, that was also wonderful to hear because a, a lot of times I've heard either July or nothing at all. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very excited about Bob Nightingale's uh, uh, piece and the proposal, and, and hopefully uh, coronavirus will, will slow down a little bit. They can continue to work on trying to find a vaccine. And if they can get to the point where social distancing is comfortable enough so that the players can be safe and they can play and, the, and everything like that, I love that proposal. That's my favorite one. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, you know, throughout all of this, my biggest, obviously, the first and foremost concern is safety before. And it's right. not just players. I think people sometimes see these reports and they only think of the players. It's coaches, managers, front office personnel, um, media members, camera crews, officials, umpires, uh, hotel staff. I mean, there's just countless people involved in all this, no matter what they decide to do. So I think, obviously, the health and safety of all those people come first and foremost. But to me, it also, it's, they had to come up with something that the players would approve of, you know? it's They can't just decide to say, hey, we're going to go play in Arizona. Hey, we're going to play all the games in Florida. Or, you know, we're going to split the, the, the divisions up into this way and, and we're going to play 100 games starting here. You know, the players have a say in this. And they're not going to do something out of that puts them in harm's reach, um, in harm's way, I should say. And you mentioned the Ryan Zimmerman conference call. I think it was very telling to see Ryan Zimmerman, who has two small children, another one on the way, a pregnant wife, and his wife is sitting next to him saying, I don't feel comfortable with him going to Arizona for four or five months to play baseball. It's like it's not worth the risk at this point. I mean, he's a father. He's my husband. He's our caregiver. I mean, it's somebody I care about that is being put in harm's way. And I think, you know, that's just one small sample. There's plenty of other samples like that across baseball. It's so many people involved. So I think first and foremost, it's something that baseball needs to find something that will not only be safe, but also will appease the players. And I think what I like about this this proposal, this reported proposal, is that it gives them the opportunity to play in their home ballparks. They, they would like to play in their home ballparks. We've seen a couple of state and city officials say that they're going to allow uh, sporting events to take place without fans. There will be no fans in the ballparks, but uh, at some point this summer, which – 
you know, I think players will get on board with being able to stay at home. And you mentioned the lack of travel. You know, in, in the Nationals division, they will be going to New York twice to face the Yankees and the Mets. Boston, Baltimore is obviously super close. So is Philly. Pittsburgh is not too far away. Toronto's a short right. flight. You know, the Rays and Marlins are the only ones that are kind of out of the way. But even then, that's a two-hour flight to Florida and back. And you can probably – and they will probably schedule it the way that they're knocking both of those teams out in one trip and then coming back. Right. Um, so I, I think you're right. I think this is so far the most realistic um, proposal that can get – not only keeps in mind all the safety of everyone involved, but also will appease the players and give them something that they would uh, sign off on. If safety is the first hurdle, Bobby, the second hurdle is getting the Players Association to agree to this because the players most likely would have to take a little bit of a pay cut because of the amount of games that are going to be played this year. They obviously are being paid through uh, May 31st, and and, uh, at least front office personnel are. Players Association deal is a little bit different. But, you know, you've heard that they're going to get a full year credited, even though we're not going to play 162 games this year. They will get, you know, as far as – uh, how much they're going to be credited for the year. They will get credited for the full year, regardless if they played no games this year, is what the Players Association had announced. And the players would have to agree to probably a pay cut because without all this revenue coming in for the owners, you know, the gates that they would be getting each day, they talked about how much money, you know, Dodger Stadium makes or Miller Park or Nats Park makes per night with the amount of players. If you don't have fans there and you're not selling concessions and you're not getting the gate for those ticket receipts, that's a lot of money that the uh, the teams are not going to be making. So I would imagine that's another big hurdle in the logistics of it. Safety is number one, obviously. But if they can get to a point where uh, you're, they're checking you for a fever before you walk in the door, uh, they have the tests where they, they can administer coronavirus available on site, that might be able to help that hurdle. But the second hurdle is financially, how are they going to make this work out for the players, for the owners, and, uh, you know, that 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 part's going to be the biggest part, biggest hurdle, I think, uh, deciding on if they get past the safety part, how are they going to pay the players and make everybody happy? Right. I think that's a great point, too. It's not just the safety aspect and the logistics of getting the teams here and there or playing certain games. It's also a matter of, you know, owners signing off on it. We've in that report mentioned that owners are looking are expecting players to take some sort of pay cut. Will players sign off on that? You know, a lot of players don't right. make the millions of dollars that you see Steven Strasburg and Max Scherzer and, you know, Juan Soto eventually make too. A lot of players are kind of, you know, career kind of just hopping from team to team and they're living pay- paycheck by paycheck. What about the minor league players too that don't make a lot of money? So a lot of logistics in that sense are going to come down to it as well. You kind of already touched on it, but. Uh, you know, how would this play into maybe your ideal scenario? You know, let's just say that there is a baseball season in 2020. How do you see it ideally kind of coming to fruition and um, being played in, in this, this year? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I wrote a little bit about that on MassInSports.com and, you know, just playing off of Bob Nightingale's first uh, article on this was that you know, if they're going to play 100 games and it's a 10-team 10, 10 division and you're only playing teams in your division, then that's, what, 11 or 12 times per opportunity to, to play those teams. That would add up to 150 at home, 50 on the road. And then you got to figure out the postseason, how you're going to play that with the 30 teams. And you're, obviously, the division winner would be a, a, a top seed. And then you can decide what you want to do with, you know, 
the second seed. I, I, I would assume that at least two from each division would make the postseason, and then they would work that out in October. And, you know, what is it going to be like for, for covering the team? I would envision, Bobby, that we will probably most likely not be allowed in the clubhouse at all uh, if these games were played, and that they would bring a pitcher, a player of the game, and the manager out to the press conference room, and we would sit in there and interview them there you know, with with still amount like you'll see in the White House press conferences where they have the reporters sitting six feet away from each other, we would be at least 10 feet away from the players. So I would envision that would be probably the way we would cover the team if, if that would if that would happen. But it just makes sense. Like you said, geographically, three games, if it's 11 games and that's uh, that could be three, three sets of games, either two, four game sets and a three game set or three three-game sets with double headers added in there as well, which might be a way to accelerate some of the games that are played. So, yeah, it can work. I like it. I like it. I think it's the, you know, it gives us an opportunity to have them at Nats Park just from a selfish point of view for the Nationals and their fans. At least they'll be in town for, what, 50 games or so from June all the way to October, and they won't be sequestered in some hotel somewhere and just, you know, uh, eating, eating, uh, just you know, not having a home cooked meal and not seeing their families, like you said, with Heather Zimmerman and the rest of the families, that would be extremely difficult. So at least this kind of feels a little bit more normal than some sort of weird satellite type resolution where they just play games in Arizona or Florida. Yeah, uh, and I agree. I think that's a good way. And I didn't even consider like the post game aspect of it too. Of how do you? indirect fans or media with the players because, you know, if you're going to do this, I'm sure MLB is going to need and want media members there. They need to get away, uh, have a way to connect to the fans some way, and that's where the media comes in. So, yeah, that's a great point, too. And, yeah, I think everything we've been said so far, being able for the players to go home at night, you know, see their families and not be away for so long, limit travel, limit how far they travel, uh, playing obviously it's going to be a shortened game and, and Bob Nightingale I think even mentioned or uh, sor- his one of his sources the exec that he spoke to uh, said you know it's going to be a season like we've never seen before but it's going to be a season regardless so that's something that we're all looking forward to hopefully they can figure it out I know a couple of weeks ago when the first report of everyone playing in Arizona came out and also saying at the late uh, at the end of May which now this report is obviously saying end of June. That's a whole month difference. And Paul and I kind of ripped that apart. And everyone did. You know, it just wasn't a feasible, realistic way to start the season. Um, but I think that I said at the time that this was that was just a stepping stone. You know, they had to take a first step in order to get this process moving. Um, you know, it's just kind of thinking out loud, throwing things at the wall, seeing what sticks. That was one of their first ideas. It wasn't ideal, but it was an idea. An idea, you know, it's something they could build off of, and I think we've seen that right. kind of. It's a tumbleweed effect where they're just kind of adding on to, or a snowball effect more, where they're just kind of adding on to that idea, expanding it, and seeing, all right, well, if this doesn't work, we can do this. If that doesn't work, we can do that. Um, so I, I like the way that baseball and the MLB front office is kind of evolving this idea in terms of how they're going to bring about this season and and including player safety and fan safety. You know, it is going to be a shame that fans aren't going to be able to go to a majority of games this season. Um, but like you said, that's where Masson comes in 
handy. You know, you know, people want to watch games. You can sit at home and watch the game from a safe distance and still be a part of the action. Obviously, we'll be covering it all on Masson's social media accounts and, you know, at Byron Kerr, at Masson Kerr for, for you as well. So, yeah, I think there's definitely a possibility here. There's something, that, there's some momentum here where we could see it progress and, and become something uh, substantial and something to build off of for the 2020 season. All right, Byron. Um, also, last week, near the end of last week, a um, bunch of local media members hopped on a conference call with Mike Rizzo. He's kind of doing these at least once a week, maybe once every other week, just to kind of keep. Uh, us updated of what's going on down in South Palm Beach or West Palm Beach, rather um, small takeaways from there. I do want to touch on with you because you mentioned you're trying to keep up with the uh, minor league stuff uh, with the nationals, the minor league organizations. Um, you did mention uh, the draft. There were some reports yesterday coming about the draft too, but what are just some of your first quick fire takeaways from Mike? What you've heard from Mike Rizzo so far this spring. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty energizing to hear him talk about the future of the Nationals. You know, that's where he came from. He talked about being an area scout in the Midwest for 13 years and how he likened it to, to the bad weather situations that his scouts have to go through in the Midwest, in the upper Midwest and Northwest, where high school baseball and, and a lot of college baseball is delayed because of, of bad weather in April or May or snow sometimes. So he says that they have to work with what they have, which means how hard did they work in scouting these guys maybe at the beginning of the season or last year, year before they have to go back to and trust all the scouting they did on all these players beforehand. And, you know, they, as Mike likes to say, they've done their due diligence. They know uh, all their scouts are, are putting together their scenarios for that draft and what the nationals want and what the nationals need months, sometimes years in advance and getting ready for whenever this draft is coming up. It's going to be interesting though, if it's five, if, if it's just five rounds or, or 10 rounds or something like that, because that means there's going to be a lot of free agents around as well. So those are a lot of guys that maybe you saw once or twice that you're going to have to make a decision on, you know, in the future. But Rizzo, that's where he came from. That's where he builds his base is scouting. And, you know, even though Major League Baseball, some prognosticators look at the Nationals minor league system and say, oh, it's not the strongest at all. Rizzo, as he talked to, I think, on MLB Network Radio this year, this week on Sirius XM, how he thinks they have 10 to 13 pitchers in their, in their top 50 or top 100 of their system that are, that are quality pitchers. And so that's a good sign for him. He doesn't really watch those top 100 uh, lists. And the way, Bobby, the way they built this team was with pitchers and catchers to begin all of this. You go back to that crazy trade where they send off Lucas Giolito, Reynaldo Lopez, and Dane Dunning for Adam Eaton. And it's a three-for-one trade. It's a win-now trade for the Nats. When this happened in 17 and 18, he got hurt. He came back. And then, of course, he has some gigantic hits. You know, he's, he's like a, a, a poor man's MVP for the World Series for the Nationals. Adam Eaton was a critical pickup for the Nats, and they used all of that value they had in pitching to get a player like Adam Eaton. That's the way he wants to build up this time around. That's how they built their core. Good pitching, good catching. And then they'll build around that and, and go from there. So you like to hear that Rizzo and his staff haven't just stopped working as far as scouting goes and getting ready for this draft. Because every one of these drafts, as we just saw in the NFL draft last week, you can totally change a team for, for the future, even in the next season. doesn't really happen in baseball, but this is important for them to build up their foundation. Pitching and catching is where I think they will, they will once again focus on come uh, 
June 5th or June 10th or July when they, whenever they decide to do the draft. Yeah, you mentioned that uh, the Nationals farm system hasn't been highly ranked. Like they were accustomed to seeing them uh, up high in their rankings over the past year or so because of some of the trades they've had to make. Obviously, like you said, those trades resulted in a World Series championship, so you can't really be mad about that. But the Nationals do hold the number 22 overall pick in the first round of this year's draft, whenever it may be. I think reports coming from John Heyman yesterday saying that MLB fully intends on holding the draft on June 10th, which is six weeks from today. So uh, it's it's coming up there. You mentioned what Rizzo said. He also touched on it in his, in his conference call. Um, you know, with a lack, and we kind of touched on it with your kids losing their spring season, but with a lack of a spring season uh, for these athletes, for these college players, these high school players, and a possibility of a shortened draft, you know, one, how is that going to affect the pool of players that are taken in this draft, you know, in six weeks? And two, with the lack of video, uh, fresh video available for these guys, how does that affect the scouting? You mentioned that Mike Rizzo and his team are, are still doing their due diligence, but what can they possibly, how much can is realistic to expect of them to be scouting these guys when they didn't play a season this year? Yeah, I mean, obviously scouting is over right now. They're going to have to go back to video. They can make phone calls and things like that with area scouts to see how these guys are doing. But you bring up some good points. Every team is in the same boat. It's not just the Nationals. Every, every team's going to have to go through this. And I've got some interesting articles coming up where I talk to some of the minor league players um, and what they went through. And I, I get a chance to talk to the BYU coach, Jackson Clough, who is, was the coach for uh, Jackson while he was at BYU. Jackson left BYU, went on a missionary for two seasons, missionary mission for two seasons in Atlanta now has come back to baseball. So he kind of knows what it's like to come back from baseball after being out of it for a while. I also talked to Drew Mendoza, a third baseman, first baseman from Florida state who's in the minor league system. And he told me that he, he had set up a workout area in his front yard. And a lot of his uh, teammates from Florida state and stuff had, you know, weightlifting on one side or, or, or core work on the other side. And they all stayed six feet away from each other. So I thought that was an interesting take of how, these guys are worked out. We've seen some of the videos of, of pitchers throwing throwing balls and smashing windows and stuff like that. So we're seeing these guys continue to work out, but the minor league guides are, are no different. They continue to to get ready, and those are the cores. Those are the players that are part of your core from the draft. So Rizzo said that he went back to his scouts and talked to him about. You know, already, he feels comfortable, Bobby, about the draft board they have put together. And if the draft were today, if it was April 29th and they had the draft, they would be comfortable in knowing who they're going to draft. And, and like, like I said, all 29, 30 teams are in the same boat. They're going to have to go from what they saw at the beginning of the season or what they saw in late 2019 and 2018 even, making their decisions on the skies. And he also said, Bobby, an important point that was asked is he's not going to shy away from drafting high school players. He's always been, felt comfortable uh, drafting them. And they had even less of a season than – these college teams, most of these college teams played 15 games or 17 games. Yeah. High school season, as I talked about with, with my, my daughter, the baseball team of the high school didn't even start playing yet. The, the lacrosse team played one scrimmage. But he says he's not going to be sh- uh, shying away just because he didn't see high school tape this year of picking high school players as well. So that'll be interesting. That is interesting because, I, you know, Paul and I, I mentioned at the top of the show that we're, we're kind of, separating the two podcasts, Mass and All Access podcast on the Nationals and the Orioles side. We, we've done that for the past couple of years, but I'll be doing most of the hosting right now on the Nationals side while he does the Orioles 
um, moving forward throughout all this shutdown. And, and on the Orioles side, I mean, the Orioles are obviously a rebuilding team, and they hold the number two overall pick this year. They had the number one overall pick in Adley Rutschman last year. So we've been talking about the draft more and more on that side of the podcast, but now with no baseball being played, you know, it's very rare that I think you talk about a Super Bowl or not Super Bowl, a championship team. You mentioned the NFL draft, but a championship team. Yeah. And then now looking it forward to the draft, uh, the Nats have a relatively high pick, number 22 overall, like I said, in the first round for a defending World Series champion. Um, and it's interesting that, you know, like you said, Mike Rizzo's not going to shy away from drafting high school players, even though there's a lack of tape on those guys. You have college guys who have played at a higher level for presumably a couple of years. You know, like you said, they also played a handful of games at the beginning of this season before the shutdown began, before the seasons were canceled. Um, and now you're going to high school players who haven't had that much shape. They're obviously much younger, much more raw in terms of their raw ability and talent. But Mike Rose is not going to shy away from drafting. Now, obviously, baseball is different in terms than like basketball or hockey when you can draft out of high school. And not that basketball NBA can draft out of high school anymore. But back in the day, you know, just because they're drafted doesn't mean they actually have to sign. They can choose to go back to school. We'll probably see a handful of players do that as well. Players that lost their maybe senior seasons or maybe think that another season in college or high school can help improve their draft stock. But then also with a shortened draft, you know, with the reports of it maybe only being five rounds, maybe at, at the most long, I think – I think personally you're going to see a lot less high school players draft, but it is interesting to say Mike Rizzo say, you know, we're not going to shy away from that. We're going to take a best player available probably at, the, at whatever position they're at, um, even though you're more, more likely going to have a player who's closer to reaching major league level or playing high minor league ball in a college player. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great point. And- if you look back at the drafts for the Nationals, they have had good success in the Southeastern Conference and in the state of Florida. And you were mentioning, uh, you know, talking about the possibilities for, uh, you know, like the Orioles you know, having a, having the number two slot. Twenty two is not bad, considering, like you said, being being the defending world champions. And if you look at at some of the mock drafts that are out there, uh, one of them that I'm looking at, Baseball Prospect Journal has Carmen Maladzinski, a right-hander from South Carolina who really fits the bill for the Nationals. He's coming off a foot injury where a lot of people, you know, didn't didn't get to see him pitch. He only pitched a couple of games last year, but then he mowed down the Cape Cod League. He's a 6'2", 232-pounder. I mean, that's right up the Nationals' alley. They love to go for guys that other people kind of sleep on, and, you know, they give them an opportunity they can build in their system. There's another kid, C.J. Van Eyck, a right-hander from Florida State. This just all makes a lot of sense. In that category, if you look to the 20 through 25, Cole Wilcox, a right-hander from Georgia. There's a lot of starting pitchers in there. Lodzinski was the number one starter for South Carolina, a, a school that's known for outstanding college baseball and, and having a College World Series championship under their belt. So this all looks li- like it would make sense to me, Bobby, that he will look at high school players, maybe not in the first, maybe not in the second round, but he is not going to shy away from guys just because they haven't been able to play baseball for two or three months. He knows these guys are good from last year's tape. But it just makes a lot of sense that he's going to go for a top flight, number one or number two starter out of uh, the Southeastern Conference or something like that or the ACC uh, when, when, when this comes around. Those guys are right in his wheelhouse of what he likes to get here early on and build up uh, those starting staffs for the future. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. I think even with a shortened draft and, you know, we just saw how popular the NFL draft is. That's obviously way more popular every year, but even more so this year 
with it being all virtual and and you know I think people I even I might even like it more than the normal NFL draft because I like seeing the behind the scenes of the coaches and the GMs on the phone and with their families and you hit the players and stuff like that. So we saw the success of that. I would be interested to see if MLB kind of does a similar thing with a shortened draft. If you're only having five rounds, why not kind of expand it over the course of a weekend and have people tune in because there's no games to to watch. Um, and then with then you can we you and I people like us can kind of dissect every pick a little more because they're not picking forty guys. They're picking five guys and five guys who are will probably see play in the minor league, high minor league levels. And, and maybe even the national league or the major league level in a couple of years. So it should be interesting. Like I said, six weeks, June 10th, uh, they are planning on uh, having the MLB draft, the first-year amateur player draft. So that will be super interesting as well. Byron, hopefully, if that does occur, we can have you back on and, and kind of either preview and or re, uh, re-evaluate uh, the picks that the Nationals select in a couple weeks' time. All right, Byron, I don't want to hold you for too long. I really appreciate you hopping on. Quickly, before I let you go, uh, just – Quick preview of what do you have come up on MassinSports.com over the next couple of days for people to check out. Yeah, I mean, I've been uh, kind of uh, putting in the library a lot of articles. The one is uh, on Jackson Clough, the new the shortstop from BYU, who's in the system, Drew Mendoza, as well as an infielder who's done a, a real nice job recently. Uh, going tr- to try to reach out to Bo Porter as well, the Masson broadcaster. Had a nice article about uh, Bobby Carpenter and how he's doing in Oklahoma. He's doing great, by the way. You can see the details of that on MassInSports.com, and he'll give you details of the time he got to meet Michael Jordan uh, when he was a member of the Birmingham Barons. So that's pretty cool as well. So going to keep up to that. Uh, also, uh, Mark and I will will have uh, point counterpoints coming up as well as different scenarios. Carter Keyboom at third. How's the bullpen going to look? Are the starters going to be tired going into the season? So we have a lot of good content coming up on MassInSports.com to check out. That's awesome. That's awesome. Again, follow Byron on Twitter too, at Masson Kerr for all the latest content that he has. And um, hopefully we'll have you back on some more podcasts that we can promote for you. Um, glad to see you're doing well, Byron. Glad to see you and your family are staying healthy, staying active as well. And uh, again, really, really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining me. I also forgot one more thing. Go for it. Nationals, Fredericksburg Nationals, their new stadium. Uh, when the social distancing kind of gets it uh, pretty well here, they've invited me down for a, uh, a private tour of the stadium, and we'll bring that exclusively to MassInSports.com as well. That stadium looks fantastic for the Fred Nats, which come from Potomac. And a lot of these guys we're talking about, a lot of these draft picks and minor league guys will be in Fredericksburg. So that's going to be a lot of fun when we get baseball going again. Thanks a lot. I yeah. appreciate it, Bobby. No, thank you, Baron, and look forward to that. You had a piece about that. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I feel like you had an update on the Fredericksburg Nationals. So that's yeah, really it's interesting. A beautiful stadium. That's great. Hopefully, we'll get out there soon. Hopefully, we'll be able to leave our quarantine houses again. Byron Kerr, everyone, check out his stuff on MassinSports.com and, of course, on Twitter at Masson Kerr. Really appreciate you hopping on, Byron. Um, while I have one guest right here from Masson, I have another one ready to go. Uh, I caught, was able to catch up with Alex Chappell uh, the other day, uh, just uh, actually earlier today, uh, to talk about she did a handful of interviews with Mark Zuckerman, like I mentioned before, with some Nationals players um, on um, and their wives on how they're doing during all this quarantine, how they're handling everything moving forward, um, and, and you know how they're buying their time and what they look forward to, to this season. So she was great. Um, again, the Mass and All Access podcast is brought to you by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about our student-athletes and programs today. Thanks again to Byron, and here is that interview with Alex Chappell.
Back on the Masson All Access podcast, Bobby Blanco here and joined by Masson on-field reporter Alex Chapel. Alex, how are you? It's so good to see you. Uh, we've been just waiting and waiting so long to see all of you in all of this. Uh, how have you been holding up in um, all of the all the chaos? Hey there, Bobby. Yeah, it's great to see you too. I'm coming to you from our dining room right now in our house, but. It's, um, it's, you know, there are days where it's really tough and days where you have a positive mindset knowing we're all in this together. And, um, you know, it's just, you take it right. Like the Nats say, go one and oh, one day at a time. But yeah, it's, it's, you know, you have your highs and lows and, um, spending a lot of time with our animals. And, um, actually it was crazy the other day, my husband and I walked around Georgetown university, just the campus total ghost town yeah. no surprise but you know when you see areas like that you just think wow i mean it's it's really surreal and um but it's good everybody's staying home staying safe and uh we're all getting through this together yeah it's funny like this time makes me really wish i had a dog or something like that could get me outside yeah. a little more i'm sure walking around georgetown was absolutely beautiful uh, obviously social distancing and staying safe is is the priority but you know governors have said it's okay to take a walk just get outside a little bit you can't be cramped up in your house too often so that's great to see that you're being able to do that um alex i really wanted to get on uh, get you on the podcast uh this week to talk about the videos that you've been doing some interviews with mark zuckerman of massinsports.com you guys have been able to get in touch with a couple of nationals personnel uh, some players and mike rizzo and their wives to discuss how they have been handling all of this uh, social distancing. How did that come about? And, and, and what was your kind of takeaway from all of those interviews? Yeah, it was really cool. So Mark and I teamed up and Bobby, we had talked about it that maybe during the regular season, Mark and I could do a couple podcasts from road trips, um, maybe feature places we were eating or some of the off the field activities we were doing too. And then obviously the season gets suspended and um, we just there's so much negative news out there and, and um, we wanted to bring to light some positivity going around and especially, you know, the players and getting to see their families and uh, talking with their wives and showing a different side of them was something that was really cool to get to do. And so got in touch with um, the, some of the wives, you know, Heather Zimmerman and Aaron Dolan um Jody Rizzo so and the Paras in Japan that was really really fun so connecting with them over FaceTime or Zoom and getting a chance to find out how they're doing during this time what they're doing to keep busy like you said a lot of them have dogs so they've been going on a lot of different walks how they're staying in shape um trying to prepare the best they can if they get the green light and we know that baseball is coming back and then also just highlighting the stuff they're doing away from the field which a lot of them on the forefront wanting to help people immediately during this COVID-19 crisis. Yeah. And I think that's really important too. That's like one of the reasons you were able to get across from all of that is that you were able to highlight some of their philanthropic and relief funds and stuff like that. I know the Doolittles and Aaron Dolan and Sean Doolittle and, and Heather and Ryan Zimmerman have been doing a lot, especially back in the DC area. I know the Zimmermans are back locally and, Aaron and Sean are still down in Florida, but they've still been able to help out a lot. Can you tell us a little bit more about some of their um, relief efforts or help how they're helping the community around here back here in D.C.? Yeah, it's just great. It's really inspiring. Um, as Aaron Dolan and Sean Doolittle pointed out, 
they feel just so lucky that they're in an opportunity in the opportunity to be able to give back. And so when this all had transpired immediately, they reached out to the local food bank. Um, as Sean pointed out, $1 goes a long ways and they were able, I want to say at the time when we talked to them already 40,000 meals they had put together for families, which was incredible. We talked to the Zimmermans prior to their relief effort that they had started with Pros for Heroes. Um, but at that time, Ryan Zimmerman had worked with his restaurant and, and Heather, they had worked with their restaurant, Salt, the Salt Line, uh, right by Nationals Park. And so they raised $65,000 in I think a week or three days, they said. But um, And that money was going to go to all the, the restaurant workers who had to be laid off during this time and to help them through it. And they laid off about 50 employees. And you know, they're one of so many restaurants going through this, but obviously that restaurant very close to their hearts. And um, I think the biggest takeaway too, from talking with all of them, even Mike Rizzo and Jody Rizzo saying that they wanted to put the World Series trophy in their window, you know, to bring some a lighthearted levity to fans when they're walking by and they get to take a picture with the World Series trophy. It's just how different ways to give back and help during this time. And um, it's, they're such amazing people. We know their talent on the field and what they do, but the way that they all are involved in different things off the field, um, their wives, everything that they do day in, day out to give back. And it's, it's fun to get to share those sides of the stories, the human interest side, um, not necessarily just always the X's and O's of what they're doing, but it um, just really inspiring. And a they were all on the forefront, just jumping right in, wanting to find out how they could help and, and give back. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and we know how much uh, the Nationals appreciate that too. It's not just these players, but the whole organization have been giving back uh, to the community, which has been fantastic to see during all of this as well. On kind of a lighter note um, with these interviews, you know, it, it is the players. It's awesome that you got to reach out to these players, but you also are talking to their wives too. And in this day and age when, you know, everyone's kind of quarantined together and it's a lot of family time. It's a lot of I mean, whoever you're kind of cooped up with. Uh, I think this is a perspective that a lot of Nationals fans don't get to see uh, in terms of getting able to know the relationship between player and wife. And, you know, the wives are just as much a part of this as the players are. They're, you know, they're all World Series champions, too, because they, you know, they go through the grind of the baseball season as much as their husbands. What was your kind of biggest takeaway from talking to the wives and seeing the players and their, and their significant others kind of interact with each other throughout all of this? Yeah, great point, Bobby. That was the most fun part, I think, for Mark and myself, just to have the chance to get to sit or talk with them over FaceTime and Zoom. You see the couple sitting together and, um, oh my gosh, I mean, are they all, they're just all the cutest couples. You know, you can see they're so happy, so many great stories, um, you know, not to be corny, right, but they're so in love and you can just see that on the screen. And I think that part is really fun, right, for all of us. We can all relate to the amount of time that they're spending together, um, how they're figuring out ways not to get on each other's nerves. You know, I think it was hilarious when Ryan Zimmerman said this is the first April he's had off and, you know, pretty much his whole baseball, even before he went pro, right? But through college, everything, first April that he's had off in over two decades, right? And it's a sick joke. I mean, you can't do anything. And um and so, and then Heather saying, oh, 
you know, actually I'd be okay with him playing a little bit longer the way that he's going crazy right now. So it was just really fun to see that side of them. I loved Aaron Dolan and Sean Doolittle talking about Sean's workout routine right now. And here he is lifting his 75 pound dog, you know, doing, uh, I guess, chest press, right. And bench press with their dog. It was so funny. And, um, but you can tell they're just, they're enjoying their time together too. Right. And they're cherishing the moments they're taking walks together, doing a lot of family activities. And, um, they, you know, it was just, you could see a, a pure joy on their faces too. And, um, I think that side of it, like you said, Bobby, just to bring a different perspective was, it was really fun. Yeah, that's great. And, and I'm sure I know Nationals fans all over the area really appreciate it. Uh, you guys should all go out and check Alec Chappell's Facebook page, or sorry, YouTube page, and for all these interviews with uh, the Zimmermans, uh, the Doolittles, the Paras, and the Rizzos, and for more information on how you could help out in the D.C. area as well. Also give Alex a follow on Twitter, at Alex Chappell, for more information and hopefully more interviews down the line. Alex, thank you so much for your time. Hope you're staying safe, staying healthy, and uh, get to, hope we can talk to you soon, and, and uh, glad to talk to you today. Bobby, thank you so much. Oh, it was great to see you. I hope to see you in person soon. <laughs> yes, yes. Hopefully we'll be able to be uh, at a ball at a ball game pretty, pretty soon. Again, follow Alex Chapel on Twitter and on YouTube for more content. That just about does it for the Mass and All Access podcast today. Uh, uh, big shout out to Alex again for joining us and for Byron Kerr earlier in the show for joining us. Um, we wish that everyone is staying safe, staying healthy, and... Um, you know, we are we're glad that everyone's getting through this together. You can follow the Mass and Al- uh, Mass and Alexis podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Also follow Mass and Nationals on Twitter, um, Instagram, and Facebook as well. I'm Bobby underscore Blanco on Twitter. And thanks everyone for listening and watching and staying safe. And we will catch you next time.